0: Trade at Amherst. Welcome to episode two of the MSL podcast. I'm your host, Marco Iannucelli.
1: And this is Amalia Wampa.
0: And today we're without Chris, yeah. but it's still going to be fun and even better, probably. <laughs> uh, so before we get started with the sports stuff, uh, I wanted to introduce my career prospects. So uh, I'm planning to become a sporting director at a soccer club in Europe, hopefully, and probably going to get a FIFA license after UMass to get more of a connection with the managers at whatever club I work in. And yeah, that's kind of the plan which can probably change.
1: What um, I want to do is tentative. I'm into a lot of different things, but I do want to be a climbing coach. Uh, do you want to own a climbing gym, be a manager of one, hence sport management? Uh, definitely an untraditional sport coming here for college, but I also want to make a movie one day. A lot of different things that I want to get. Oh, write a book.
0: Oh, is it going to be a movie like The Guy that, that Was Climbing El Capitan?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> no. I, I'm not going to do, like, movies that encourage people to risk their lives. That kind of thing.
0: So, no action movies. No. No, no adventure movies. No. 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 It's gonna sad,
1: be... sad movies that are
0: pretty boring. Uh, I could I could fake crime, maybe. Okay. You, you won't ca- be
1: fake crime because it'll be actually crime because it's going to be a good movie what that you,
0: I make. No, I mean if you cast me. like.
1: Oh, okay. If I cast. All right. Well... I can, I think I can make you actually cry. Though I don't think you have to fake.
0: Like I. Could. How can you make? Are I, you gonna I, hit? Are you gonna punch me? or something? No,
1: no domestic violence. But I could be harsh if I want to. So just leave that as it is. Don't get on my bad side.
0: Well, real men don't cry. Oh, Never no. Okay,
1: let's unpack that. That's toxic. This is toxic it, it's a joke. It's me. A j- it's
0: a joke. It's a joke. Okay, so. <laughs>
1: don't follow <more. laughs>
0: now, now that okay, we we kind of now that you actually know what we're, we're going after college and. You know, when we listen back to this, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, we were so right about what we wanted to do. Or maybe we change our careers and maybe we were like, oh, it was so stupid what we wanted to do back then. But yeah, we're we're sport management students at the moment and we're your hosts. So now that we're going to get started with our sports content and we're going to have a guest later on, special guest. It's a surprise. You're probably going to (laughs) see it in the title, though. But um. Yeah, we're going to talk about the recent events that have happened in Europe and here in the U.S.
1: All right, so recently, in the French capital this past weekend, Paris Saint-Germain became the champions of the league, One. Uh, is that a draw with RC Lens?
0: I'm still learning
1: yeah. the, the European football terminology. So
0: Yeah, so it was 1-1. Um, Messi scored a golazo, and that was basically capping out the title early. This is way before the season ends, they have three or four games left, but as it's a costume in France, except last year, PSG win the league again.
1: But yeah, so after this match, I would expect that fans be beaming with pride of their team. However, they decided to celebrate outside the stadium so the players wouldn't see them, which is kind of petty. And why? Basically because for the fans, the league title they won on March 9th was no consolation for yet another Champions League failure. For a little bit of background, um, Paris Saint-Germain has never won the Champions League, although they do have plenty of silverware from other championships. Now, to me, it's kind of strange how team supporters can have such an entitled outlook, especially towards their own players when they've never even won the Champions League in the first place. So I was going to ask you, Marco, why are the Paris Saint-Germain fans so arrogant, I guess I could
0: say. Well, PSG has a history of bottling the Champions League. They've been in winning positions many times and then they collapse. They have a poor mentality, they don't have leaders, nobody works hard, they don't have a workhorse in their team. And when you win the league so easily, so many years as PSG has done in the last decade, it's like the minimum for every season is winning the league. And when you're so close to going through to the next stage of the Champions League or winning it like they were in 2019-20, it's disappointing every time that you actually get close and then you lose, and then you have your expectations up. And with this project that they've built around stars like Messi and, and Neymar, it does feel like a failure when you don't progress to the next stage of the Champions League. And yes, the fans do have um, reasons to be angry. They, but not at the players in the same way that that they are right now. I mean. Making a statement against the players in that way is kind of harsh. They put effort into it.
1: Yeah, and I'm just, I cannot but think that this, I haven't really seen this happen in other sports. So I'm just curious, like, why do you think this is the aura surrounding soccer? Like, why do you think, or European football, like, why do you think it's that powerful, like, with fans, especially?
0: Well, I mean, I know it's fo- hard to answer. Football is a beautiful game, and, and, and I say it like myself, I'm really passionate about it. In, in the heat of the moment, the things i think about the referee it's <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it really grabs you completely and it's so much passion involved and in the heat of of the moment you're so angry you can get so happy you can cry you can laugh and so it's every emotion but when you don't see stuff objectively and and notice that you know yes it's a disappointment but you still got to celebrate the accomplishments of a team and I personally do not take it for granted. I'm I'm a Bayern fan. I celebrated Bayern winning the league for a 10th successive time this weekend. And they they always ask me, like, well, Marco, don't you get bored if Bayern win the league every year? And I say, no, because winning is fun. <laughs> and uh, if I win, I'm happy. And if my team wins, I'm happy, regardless of how many times I win in a row. But it's, it's annoying to get close to the Champions League and, and never win it. I mean, it's... It's like you're you're so close but yet so far and then the managers rumored to be sacked by the end of the season. They might have to change the president of the club and there's gonna be big changes. Mm. But what doesn't seem to change is the egos on the team.
1: Like what players could you substitute or if you had the choice, like free will, to put any players in PSG, like what players you think could actually bring PSG to winning the Champions League?
0: I would start with a manager actually. Oh, my God. Pochettino... We
1: are sport management
0: there, so no, let's No, Pochettino, uh, the manager, he's, he's a great guy, but I think that he's too good of a person to be there. You need somebody who's harsh on them, somebody who's going to mm-hmm. put them in their places The players have too much power there. You need a guy like Antonio Conte, who's currently at Spurs, although he's not happy with the job. He's, he probably would move, as the rumors state. But if you get a guy that has... Uh, what in Italy you call Grinta, which is like that winning mentality, that fighting spirit that Conte has. He can, it's contagious and the players might get it. But now again, like Kylian Mbappe, he's probably going to leave to Real Madrid for an, on a free. And Messi's not getting any younger. And this season has been in decline. Neymar, he loves to party more than he loves to play <laughs> football. And Di Maria, he's going to leave on a free too. So... There's gonna be big changes coming. You probably need us uh, some solidity in, in midfield. I would get players of variety quality try to go for Pogba on a free. Although he does have a big ego, he's an amazing player and so talented. And if you can get the Juventus version of Pogba, you might be able to change everything in the midfield. And probably if you wanna replace Mbappe, I would go for somebody that doesn't have such a big ego. Hmm. Probably go scout in a different league, get a, a young player from Ligue 1. You can look at, I mean, Guiri from Nice, who's he's not like Mbappe levels, but he can work in a team very well. And certainly I would look to Erling Haaland if he's not moving to Man City, which seems to be the trend. But yeah, there's, there's going to be big changes at PSG
1: hmm i'm wondering this kind of relates back to our first podcast if you haven't seen that check it out maybe we could put a link somewhere but it kind of reminds me of the lakers decline a little bit psg isn't declining but they're just not really progressing so i'm wondering if this keeps happening do you think something similar could happen with the lakers or no? i think they're
0: in a similar situation but the lakers did not win anything this year they they right PSG didn't. There's, That's true. There's, That's and then true. there's certain signs of like positive uh, trends in PSG. There's a good youth academy, which they haven't like really uh, let flourish. There's guys that leave PSG's academy and then shine elsewhere. Right. Coleman went to Juventus, then to Bayern. He's won a league title every year that he's played as a professional player in three different nations. Um, and Nkunku, who has over 30 goal involvements in the past season, with RB Leipzig he's from the PSG Academy and now he's worth around hundred million probably hmm. and he left PSG for under 10 million if not on the free so it's PSG actually has to focus on the local youth that they have in Paris Paris is like a it's like a hotspot for French talent and you know that French national team there's so much talent that actually came from PSG's academy that if PSG is able to harness their whole potential, they might produce their own legends rather than just buying them.
1: So usually they just buy them instead of...
0: Yes, and not only do they buy them, they they pay so much for them. Neymar Mm -hmm. to 122 million. Messi on the free, um, but with really high wages. Mbappé for uh, 150 million euros or more. I think it's a little bit over that. And now he's going on a free. So... Thankfully, PSG has no financial issues since they're basically backed by the oil giants of Qatar.
1: Right, which you are wearing a shirt.
0: Oh yeah, um, but right this is now. the this is a Bayern shirt. This okay, is, okay. This is Bayern shirt. It's it is sponsored by Qatar Airways, um, which is very controversial, actually. <laughs> uh, but
1: a walking controversy, Marco, all the time. I,
0: yeah, but I, I do love my Bayern. <laughs> uh, like my dad always criticizes how my emotions can change based on the results of a soccer team. That's how it is. Like, sorry, dad, but I can't change that. I love Bayern. The other things that happened in Europe this past weekend, Bayern, as I said before, won the 10th league title in a row. And Napoli are basically out of the title race in Italy. On the other hand, Inter and Milan are both of them competing for the title is very interesting in spain barcelona lost their third home match in a row to the minnows of cadiz and you love to see it from a non-neutral point of view like myself who doesn't like Barca that much although if i do end up working for Barca, and this podcast resurfaces it's going to be kind of controversial
1: yeah because as we've learned this year as for management you can't hold like such strong allegiance in the workforce because you can end up working for your opposing team He's Flash.
0: I would only work at Dortmund to work at Byron afterwards. Like really? every good Dormant player.
1: What if you got paid like much more
0: yeah. Nah, but it, like just working for Bayern it's just like it's like okay. it's like the, the top of like it's, it would be like peak life, you know, after that, like I work for Byron, I can die a happy man. Actually no, not not really. Like there's stuff that <laughs> that are bigger than my allegiance to Byron. <laughs> but um it's certainly a good thought. It's on your bucket list yeah it's like if you and malia climb like el capitan like free solo yeah with with like no source of security like no no harnesses Mm -hmm. anything then you'd be like you know what i I achieved my goal well
1: yeah i mean
0: but you also have to have a climbing gym uh release your movie and do a lot of yes yeah yeah and now um we're happy to introduce our (laughs) special guest our local president mr. Sam Safferstein how's it going <laughs> so Hello. we were just talking about um, how we were you know how we're gonna define success in our lives I was saying if I work for Byron I can die a happy man
2: hmm.
0: and Amalia was talking about how she actually doesn't dream of climbing El Capitan free solo okay I
1: don't. as much as everyone likes to believe that I do I don't
0: interesting
2: okay so you're asking me what yeah. I Yeah. what do you define success as in your career in life okay Mm, that's a that's a tough question i would say for me success has a lot to do with um i think you have to split it into two spots right you have to say success professionally like you said in your career but also i think part of that comes from where i'm at in my personal life so i think you know health-wise like being healthy um making exercise like a part of your life um, because you know we all want to live long, happy lives. Yeah, you gotta um, check out those rings on your Apple Watch, you know. Yeah, if I had an Apple Watch, am <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't want to tell the podcast, but I'm kind of a Samsung guy. Uh, <sighs> but yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, if I um, but career-wise, I would say probably, um, you know, there are a few stages, but definitely working at a club overseas um, doesn't have to be Bayern for me, but um, anywhere you know in the major few countries, um, and then above that just. Uh, hopefully one day, running slash owning a club, um, that's the ultimate goal.
0: Yeah, I, I said that in last week's podcast. How if like, you know, if you actually give me like an eight million dollar contract or something, <laughs> I would definitely buy like a small English club, like yeah. in the fifth division non league, mm-hmm. and just help them grow. Yeah, it would be fun. It would be kind of like a Ted Lasso thing, but I do actually know about soccer. <laughs> yeah, so it would be like I would have an advantage
2: on him. For sure. Yeah, I actually don't watch Ted Lasso. What? Yeah, I it, it's hard for me to watch, like, because it's obviously like playing jokes off of like yeah. Americans and soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, and I don't know. It always bugs me when people, I don't know, you get what I'm saying. But it, it's such a feel. good I heard story. it was good. I heard it was good. I, I'm not against it, but yeah. Anyway.
0: Um. Oh yeah, and the other thing we had like questions about how mm-hmm. your your experience at MSO has been. Like, you started off from the bottom, like mm-hmm. all of us. Yeah.
2: How did you get the precedent? Yeah, so it's uh, a great question. So I, I sort of spoke on this when, I, I forget if it was at the gala or, or what event it was at, but um, I knew I wanted to be involved in one of the clubs uh, at UMass, you know, extracurriculars are a really important, if not more important in my eyes than, than the grades itself in school. Um, you know, it helps you meet people, it helps you um, get real world experience and experiential learning. Um, and so I knew I wanted to be involved, but I wasn't sure with what. Um, and when I realized that there were a few different sport management clubs, I went to the MSL one. I think because ADS sounded like a place where I probably didn't fit in as much, considering I'm not, you know, necessarily part of a minority group. Or you know, I know they say they accept everybody um, based on just you know uh, a diversity interest. But I think for you know when I first got here, I was like, okay, maybe not that club. Um, Wisdom, you know, again. Uh, like women <laughs> in sport management but you know you can still go if you're a guy but you know again I, I think MSL just kind of aligned with what I was looking for um, and then people were just really welcoming really friendly um, that's why I tried to be the same way with, uh, as president because um, that's how they were um, and after Sam the other Sam Sam Bernstein who you guys might know she was the president when I joined the club um, she was just really great was always a contact for me helped me through my first year of college um, and so I knew I wanted to stay in the club and sort of give back, go into leadership, um, because to me, like leadership is more of a service position than like a um, than a reward, I guess you could say. I feel like it's more of a place where you're in service of the rest of the club. You know, if you're just coming to the meetings and you're eating the pizza and having a good time, like you're 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 a very important member. Um, and our job on the board is to serve all those people um, and make decisions to make sure that it's run in a good way. So I love loved that, got in. Involved in the general e board, um, and then just kind of moved from there into um, vice president, uh, with Ari, who I, you know, obviously I love very much. Great guy. Who's Um, now gonna work at, uh, Washington. Yeah, Washington. Yeah. The, uh, what are they? The the Guardian? No, they're the Guardians. The Washington football team. uh, Yeah. What is their new name? Do you know? I forget. It's something. It's like the Guardians or something. It's not, or is it the Cleveland? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We gotta, we gotta fact check ourselves here. Um, but yeah, he's, he's working in Washington. Um, but yeah, and then and now I'm president. I'm gonna be oh the commanders. The commanders. Yeah. I think in yeah. the Guardians cause that's <laughs> the Cleveland uh, baseball team's new name. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna be taking a bit of a leave of absence in the fall. Uh, I'm going abroad, um, and Sophie Gindy and, and Will Carfin will be taking over as like co-presidents. And then when I get back, I'll be running again uh, for president. So hopefully, cross my fingers, I get elected again and um, keep going with this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I mean. Since I arrived at the club, it was like the first meeting. I was late, like I'm at most stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it was great. <laughs> I really loved the people there. It was, it was just a huge group, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't expect it to be that big. Yeah, but I saw so many people so involved. We played trivia, and, you know, you just... Well, there's no way to say no to the next meeting, and once you're in the next meeting, you, you just want to get more involved. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: well, I am my attendance, so bear with me. Help yeah, no, there. it's all good.
2: <laughs> and, and I think that's something that we... We understand being a, an executive board of a club in college, in a university, like people have other things, people have tests, people have other clubs, people have nights where they just don't want to do anything. Um, and because we're not paying anybody to be there, you know, it's one of those things where we, the attendance fluctuates, but we know that we have a core group of people that are coming to every meeting. And if you're not even part of that core group, we know we have another group of people that are very involved, still want to be involved. Um, you know, we get emails weekly about, oh, I couldn't make it to the meeting. Is there, what can I do? What should I know? Um, and so that's a really great feeling um, so it's all about continuing that momentum forward having people like you guys continue to spread the word to the incoming freshmen about where, where you got to be um, and I think our club is all about just outgoing people you know we're trying to take people who maybe weren't always outgoing when you came into college and now we want to encourage you to be outgoing in meetings to make friends but also outside of meetings when you're sitting in class it's a little weird to turn to the person next to you and be like hey are you part of like a club or hey are you a sport management student but if you do that and you tell them about the club they'll probably show up and Hopefully, if I do my job, they'll like the club and, and they'll be like interested, they'll be attracted to the idea of coming in and coming to each meeting. So,
0: Yeah, and I mean, the club also up offers you the opportunity to interact with people in the business. So, yeah. last week we had a lot of great guests. We had yeah. um, the coaches from UMass, we got uh, the
2: coach from the football team, Coach Brown, Brown yep. Don yeah. John Brown. And we had Frank Martin, the basketball coach, and then uh, Jessica George, who is the director of operations for the women's basketball team
0: so yeah like if you need connections come to msl
2: yeah no and it's one of those things where like people people always talk about like how that's a very important aspect of being in the sport industry um and i agree i but i also think that it can be overplayed sometimes like people make it seem like if you're not constantly talking to somebody who can help you in your future career and not getting their email and not like making them think you're a worthy employer, employee, um, that you're not doing things right. Um, but what I've noticed actually is it, it does, it takes a balance. You know, I, uh, at the sport, at the forum, the McCormick forum, there's a bunch of professionals there. Um, and what I noticed is the people that were a little, I don't want to say, a little too much. They, they, they had their LinkedIn already on a QR code ready for people to scan. They were going from person to person. You could tell, you know, once their timer went off in their head, they were on to the next person. It, it, it's, it's the opposite of a magnetic effect. You actually push people away. It seems less mm-hmm. genuine, it seems disingenuous. So I feel like it, it's a balance. You have to sort of force yourself to make connections and to reach out to people, but you also have to, um, you know, know when to sort of step back and say, okay, I'm going to push with this person. I'm going to give this person space and, you know, h- let it happen a little more organically than a lot of people do.
0: Well, and, and it's really not a, like a competition about who has the most LinkedIn connections, right, yeah. like Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. we're going to stop competing about it because, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not like the most No, I, I remember my freshman yeah. year,
2: yeah, I had uh, <laughs> my, one of my good friends was, had a bunch of connections on LinkedIn and she was on me about it. And I said, do you know all your connections? And she said, no. And that's kind of like a very clear indicator for me. Like, mm. I don't connect with people on LinkedIn unless I know who they are, like I've spoken to them. Um, because it's great if they're in the department and I've seen their face, but the thing is once you're LinkedIn with somebody, once you have them on Facebook, once you follow them on Instagram, you know, you're that much more tied into that person. And I can't, it's like endorsing somebody. You don't mm. want to endorse someone that you don't know can do good work because then you're associated with that person. That's mm-hmm. the same thing with the club. you know. Uh, we encourage everything you heard, you hear us say it every week or every other week when we have meetings is when we do events, we do them right because it reflects on the club. So, okay. and
0: like the the time I've been here, it's, it's really well reflecting. We've been to watch, uh, uh, a hockey game in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. It was great. We met with the people that worked there. Professor must yep. was, it has always been great, a great connection mm-hmm. and she's always there for the club. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we also had the gala for the first time it mm. was a great experience and yeah. then the forum there's so much going on and it's not like we have an event every every month yeah but once we have the event you actually have so much fun at it mm. and there's you actually plan it as a club and mm. it's so rewarding to see the work of everybody around the club just bear fruit and, and be so great
1: mm. yeah. yeah i could definitely uh, again working in my tenants with these but i can say that coming in as a freshman especially as someone who isn't that experienced with um, these kinds of sports, mm. it was definitely a little bit like overwhelming with how many opportunities there were, so I think mm. if you just take it very slowly and don't put so much pressure on yourself, it mm. makes it easier mm. um because I was like, oh my god, there's so many clubs, like which mm. one do I join, and I don't know just take that yeah that's why and
2: that's why I love that we now have a general board um and we also I say at every meeting, and obviously I can't speak for Sophie and will in the fall, but when I get back next spring, I'll continue to say that you know we have d- different people get different things out of the club and whether that's being super involved, getting things to be to put on your resume, making connections, or just coming and meeting new friends or getting a slice of pizza, like it's um, you know it's it's all about what we can do for the student body, and each student will take something different away from the club. Um, so for me, it was you know it's a main focus and it's obviously a priority of mine being the president. But um, when I was a freshman, it it maybe wasn't as much of a priority or main focus, but it was something that I really enjoyed. So it changes through your time here. But
0: like even even if you're not so focused on the professional aspect mm. the friends you make you actually make deep meaningful connections yeah. with people there at the club and it's it's amazing how how sports brings people together and, and i love the effect of sports bringing people together
2: yeah and that's what i'm most proud yeah. of uh, of this year um you know we did a lot of cool events and we've done events that we haven't never done before um and the the group has grown and you know four or five times as large as it used to be uh, but what I'm most proud of is definitely just the people that come to me and say like, I met a lot of my good friends here. Um, and I hope that, that as we continue with this trend, you know, four years from now, there'll be people who are, you know, living together that are roommates, that are best friends when they graduate that met, you know, at an MSL meeting their freshman year. And so, you know, like you said, sports brings people together. But, you know, the beautiful thing about our club is though we are a sport club in the sport management department, we are just a club. You know, we're a place where kids can come, have a good time, bow- toe that line between just not doing anything productive, like going home and doing nothing, and being really serious in school, that kind of middle ground is, is really beautiful, is being in the club where you're still doing something for yourself productively, but you're also having a good time. Um, and like you said, making friends, doing things that aren't just sport, whether that's community service um, that we've been working on, um, event planning, stuff like that. So, And what
0: is, is great is, you know, it's like sports gives you a first step into that relationship mm-hmm. with another person, but afterwards it just opens the door to talk about everything else. and. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed is that everybody loves a genuine conversation, Mm -hmm. a meaningful conversation. And if you're able to expand your relationship beyond just being sports fans, Mm -hmm. then that's actually like the key to making a great friend within the club. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, That's how, you know, it's interesting. I would say none of my, I'm a bad example. I don't think any of my like close, close friends are in the club. Um, well, there, there are a few. There are definitely a few. Uh, but it, it all depends on what you consider. You know, In college, it's way different than any other part of your life where you have different people for different things. So you have friends that you know, okay, these are my friends that I study with, that are, you know, they care about school, they're good at school, they're willing to study. These are my friends that I just like to go out with, you know, have a good time on the weekend, whatever. These are my friends that I live with. These are my roommates, you know. And so there's a different set, and I definitely have a whole set of people that are, th- these are my sport management friends. Um, and, you know, some of my, some of the people that I interact with the most Throughout the week, are people in the club? Um, you know, it's it's really cool to 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 be connected to those folks.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, I just wanted to ask a question. To yeah. bring up like the the ladder, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. But um, going through your four years here, mm-hmm. like when did you were you part of the eboard for your freshman year or sophomore yeah, year? And then, so, like what were the stages of when you became president?
2: Yeah, great question. So my fresh uh, yeah, I wasn't specific when I went through. That's that's my bad. I mm-hmm. joined. I ran, for, I ran for marketing my freshman year, my first semester in the club, um, which was like nerve-wracking a little bit, but also the club was way smaller, so there wasn't that many people running for things, so I was like, okay, might as well. Uh, and I didn't win, uh, someone who, a woman who was older uh, and had already been on the e-board won, and so they selected to put me on the general e-board. Uh, like we now have Luke, uh, Campbell, and Gianna. Um, and so I was on that general e-board for a year, so then, my sophomore year, when we were fully online, uh, I ran for uh, vice president, and I won. Uh, and then, fast forward another year, uh, and this was that this past winter. Uh, and after being vice president for that year, um, and talking with Ari, it just worked out. I ran for president, so that was kind of the way it went. So now I'm a junior, um, and next year will be my senior year. Um, normally you wouldn't run in the winter of your senior year because you're graduating in a semester. So, you know, our election cycle is different. Like every, like you guys know, we, we have our elections in the winter. Um, but because I'm doing a fifth year, I'm still going to be here for another year. So uh, when I get back from abroad, or actually I'll probably zoom in because the elections will be before I get back um, and I'll give my speech and, and run rerun for president. So, hmm. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, you,
2: you just like tapped into one of the good aspects of Eisenberg, mm-hmm. which is a four plus one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I wish they had a plus one program for the sport. Uh, master's in sport management but at the same time there's a lot of people who uh, industry secrets sh- don't tell anybody but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who um, say that it's you know it's really not the the move to go get a master's in sport management if you have an undergrad degree in sport management so it's not a huge deal but it would be cool to have a plus one program for that my plus one that I'm doing is business analytics um, so obviously not in sport um, but there's a lot of things that I'm interested in that who knows I might not even end up working in sport I really like it um, maybe one day I'll come back to it or I'll do other jobs in different industries but yeah that's kind of the interest
0: yeah what i have like apparently like the idea I have in mind it's it's it might change but I really want to do a master's after actually graduating like mm. getting some experience in the workplace mm. and then getting a master's that I know it's I'm going to get the most use of and mm. Even, even if it's outside Eisenberg, mm-hmm. I think it, it also gives you
2: opportunity to create another set of networking 100%. connections. So, Yeah. The reason I'm staying, honestly, is, yeah, it's great, and I, and I did want to get... I wanted to stay in school. I love school, but also, like, I miss out on a lot with COVID. Um, you know, a year and a half, almost two years of being, like, in a normal college campus space and with people, and so I was in no rush to leave, and, you know, there'll be plenty of time in life to work and, and do that type of stuff, so I was like, you know, I want to have another year with, with the club, being president, with my a cappella group, and with a lot of the other things that I do. I wanted to have another year living here. Um, and, yeah, it works out that you can apply straight into the Masters, right. too. I don't have to, like, take any tests or anything. So. Mm. Well, now moving into
0: the sports uh, area. Yeah. You're a Sixers fan, right? I am, yes. I'm a 76 so, a 76. so what So what's your, your prospect for the, the season?
2: Oh, well, as we're recording this, we've just lost to the Raptors <laughs> in Philly, um, which isn't great because now we're going back to Toronto for a game six. Um, so my, my, my feelings with the Sixers right now are, I'm upset that Embiid is hurt. Um, nothing you can do about it. I'm disappointed that we didn't give more fight in Philly to close it out. But now, kind of, is the moment where we kind of we really do have to win this game in Toronto because if we go back for a game seven, anything can happen. And losing a game seven in Philadelphia, being the first team in the history of the NBA to lose a series when being up three nothing, would be uh, it, uh, heartbreaking. Is an understatement. You so. would be the PSG of basketball. We would be worse. No one. <laughs> yeah. The Barcelona of basketball. We would. We would, We would be a team that again has it's never happened before yeah. ever. So, and. I mean,
0: being here in UMass, the mm-hmm. Celtics yeah, seem to be the favorite amongst the crowd.
2: Yeah, so it was weird coming here and, you know, everybody's a Patriots fan, everybody's a Celtics fan. So, But I kind of love it because the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and the 76ers always give the Celtics a good fight, um, even if it's, you know, even if we lose some games, we win some games. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, we might end up against them in the Eastern Conference Finals mm-hmm. this year, uh, which would be quite the, quite the story. Um, Very personal for you. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. That would, that would that would feel good. I mean, if we beat the Raptors, who we obviously lost heartbreakingly to a few years ago, uh, and then we beat the Heat, who again we, you know, no love lost with Heat, and then we also I beat hope the, the Heat win. Actually, right? I'm be, a, Heat yeah. ah, okay. Lord, a Heat fan. Florida man is <laughs> a Heat fan. Yeah, well, you know what? It's great to be a Heat fan because there aren't a lot of real Heat fans. Most of them are just partiers down in Miami who want to have a good time and they go to Heat. So, games. There, there are spring breakers who go there for a week. Yeah, listen, the 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 uh, the ambiance and the the. The feeling in the stadiums is not, is, is not very good, in my opinion. But it's not just Miami. There's a lot of teams that are yeah. like that. L.A. is the same way. You know, real fans from they're, the they're, cities of basketball are, are, are like the Sixers. And, you know, I don't know if I'd put the Celtics in there. But, um, the stadium is full of tourists. Exactly, yeah. Whereas, like, no one's... You know, if you're going to a Sixers game, most likely you're a big Sixers fan. And you see it. I mean, it's the way that the, the crowd is. I've never seen a crowd as empty as, like, Orlando. Orlando's crowd is, you know crickets they're um, all at
0: Disney parks that's what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: and that's the that's the thing you get when you go to like a big market like that is a lot of the time people coming up showing up are celebrities or people who you know can afford those tickets maybe aren't real fans but you know as a sport as a fan it makes me like whatever like oh I don't want my team to be like that but as a sport somebody who's going to work in the sport industry it's important to recognize those fans those types of people and, and still cater to them and sell to them because you know a ticket is a ticket and uh, you know an audience as an audience people that are paying for for your product whether they're real fans or not however you want to classify that um, it's so important yeah sports is a business yeah and it's not just a, a beautiful game no no when I come into Eisenberg and I do my classes or I do my internships I'm I turn off completely my fan side I don't you know I, and it's something that I learned when I first got here I spoke I spoke to a few people who were really uh, high up in Niesenberg, or really high up in, in people that I looked up to, and they were all like, "Listen, like, being a fan will get you nowhere in this business." Um, and so now, when I do those things, and I think about a problem in an internship, or I think about a problem in, in a class, it's from a perspective of a, somebody who's doing a business deal, and not somebody who's loves the Sixers or loves basketball or loves football, soccer, whatever.
0: Oh yeah. So the key to succeeding in any business be objective. Yeah. So you got. It's hard to do. You got to You got gotta, you gotta Take yourself out of your
2: feelings and and everything to make the most calm decision out there exactly yeah and it's challenging but you know it's one of those things where um i knew i wanted to do business before i wanted to do sport management um so it it was kind of just it's less about what i'm selling and more about the fact that it's you know a fun job to be in because what you get to sell and what you get to 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 build in a business perspective is based off something really entertaining at least Mm -hmm. to me so well Thank you for showing yeah. off, Sam. It's,
0: it's been a great interview. and Of course. A great podcast. completely. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, when we're going to probably going to have you even on a Zoom call in the future, yeah. we want to know how you do oh, doing, yeah. Barcelona. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> always
2: going to be around on the
0: podcast. I want to be on this a lot. I love
2: this. I love this idea. So,
0: <laughs> so um, well, thank you very much. And yeah. thank you to the audience who gave us a really warm reception last week. And let's keep going. Let's like, subscribe, and do everything that a YouTuber would tell you to do. <laughs> And uh, see you next week. Yeah.